Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. This is our second time recording this episode. Our second attempt. The first one, we didn't realize how badly it was until I was trying to edit it last week. Yeah, so don't... And it was like... In my ear for a solid five minutes, and I was like, I give up. I quit. (laughs) For real, which is totally fair, because there's been some podcasts that I've listened to, and I don't know where their audio issues come in, because they clearly have decided to publish them thinking that it's okay enough, but, like, at a certain volume, like, it's usually the S sound, Mm -hmm. and it starts to just... It feels like someone's pushing a hammer in my ear in that moment, whenever that comes out, but, like, scraping it across my ear very angrily. They're trying to speak parcel tongue. Yes. And they're just... It, it just it just hurts. It's yeah. it's terrible. That was me editing last week. I was like, I give up. I can't. I can't nope. do it anymore. I gotta. No. I gotta change episodes. Yeah. So we definitely need to work on being better and improving because that's what this life is all about. Yeah. We've already that. established that yeah. we don't know what we're doing. We but just, we're experts. We just make up a lot of things. Uh huh. We do research, but we make up filler. And yes. that we are lovable trash. That's about yes, all we, we have. We really uh, are. It's all we've established so far. So I think that's really good. Like it's pretty fair. And we believe in the gospel. Well, yeah. If we which, didn't, we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Just in case anybody was doubting us. Yeah, we we're not. We're not so. apostates or anything. No. At least not. not yet. Oh goodness. I don't see that happening. Oh. But well, I I did find an anti-Mormon podcast the other day. Really? And I was like, huh. I figure they exist. I mean, yeah, but I hadn't really thought about it before. So to just, like, come across that was very, like, oh, Surprising. right, okay, you do that. I hope that brings you joy. I'm sure it and, does. <laughs> Not true joy, of course. And on this but... week's episode, we're going to talk about why Joseph Smith was really an alien from outer space. <laughs> I don't know why he just had that voice, but That's an interesting fit. voice. It's a... <laughs> it fit for apostate in my mind, or anti- I like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways. So what are we talking about this week, Kaylee? Today we're talking about the imposter syndrome. And what is the imposter syndrome? So, the imposter syndrome, as defined from Google, it is defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persists despite evident success. So it means that imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. Um, it's also known as imposter phenomenon, fraud syndrome, or the imposter experience. But lately, it's been very popular to... The trending term is the imposter syndrome. And basically, it is the feeling that people get in general when they are not feeling successful, even though there is proof otherwise. Okay. Um, so for a few basic examples, um, a mother not, might not feel like a good enough mother when even when... Her kids are still being fed, that they're still being cared for and everything. But, you know, if the house isn't clean, then she doesn't feel like a great mother. And it's been trending a lot on Instagram and a few other social media websites that I've seen recently of people being like, I feel like such a fraud because I should be doing all these things, but I'm not doing enough. And then one example um, that I created established for a single adult in the LDS charge, mm-hmm. because that's the people we are talking to. Um, <laughs> it's us. Okay. 
So the example I put together is for a single adult in the church who might be feeling imposter syndrome, they would probably be thinking something along the lines of, I'm supposed to be a temple-worthy young adult working hard to find my eternal spouse where I can have a picture-perfect family with annual reunions and be perfect in my calling, but work as hard, which consumes all my time, and I don't have the time or money to visit family for the holidays. And I'm not married, and even though I am doing all this work and I'm surviving okay, I'm still not good enough. I feel that. Right? Yeah, and es- and especially, I mean, because there's so much drive in the church to to get married, which marriage is not a bad thing, but the pressures to get married can be a little extreme. Almost like the pressure is to get married, and mm-hmm. that's where it ends. It doesn't go beyond that. It mm-hmm. doesn't say, like, get married, have a good family, and, like, raise your family like this. Mm-hmm. It just says, you need to get married. Well, yeah, and then it doesn't even talk about uh, working on your own personal growth afterward. It doesn't count. It doesn't, we don't address the fact of, you know, you need to work on having a good relationship with your spouse even. It's just yeah. about get married, have a family, die happy kind of thing. And that's just what like, they feed, like, single adults. That's mm-hmm. not, like, the overall global church viewpoint. But, like, that's like basically what they throw at single adults. Exactly. And so we, and so at least in my own experience, I have felt like an imposter before because I am going to church. I am temple worthy. I am working hard. I have a full-time job. I can take care of myself, but I'm not married. So I'm not good enough to be at this point of, in my life where I should be married. I should be doing this. But I've got, I've got my sisters who are married with kids and here I am just living like a life on my own, like taking care of myself and not anyone else kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be like, I'm not good enough in this church right now. I'm not good enough to have my temple recommend because sometimes the church views come off very strong saying, you're supposed to be married. Like, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be doing this. So the imposter syndrome is really about realizing where all these precedences are being set up for people and deciding like if they're really that important or not. Because, yeah, marriage is important, but it's not here now, so I'm not an imposter. I'm still who I am. I'm still a a temple-worthy woman of the church who just isn't married. Like, that doesn't need to count to my worth or anything. So what we tend to do with the imposter syndrome is that we tie things into our worth that don't belong there. Yeah. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Awesome. And I can honestly say that, like, I definitely feel like the pressure that comes from this syndrome is definitely from, like, society and the culture that we have perfect example is like me turning 30 yes that so was like a few weeks ago it was a few weeks ago but like the weeks leading up to 30 I was getting overly anxious with myself thinking mm-hmm. that like my life isn't fixed I'm not married I'm not where I thought I was gonna be when I mm-hmm. turned 30 like my life is completely still a mess <laughs> I'm still <laughs> trying to like fix things and I'm still trying to figure out like my career and all of these other things and just mm-hmm the pressure that I was putting on myself thinking that by 30 I'm supposed to have all of these things in a row and then realizing that I don't have any of those things in a row were stressing me out so much in a few weeks before I turn 30. Mm -hmm. And then my 30th birthday rolls around. I go and I get my tattoo. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to my friends and I'm talking to the tattoo artist and I'm just like, it's just another day. (laughs) like it's just another day why am I stressing myself out (laughs) like yeah I literally like it's no different it's a Wednesday Mm -hmm. it's the day before Thanksgiving yeah why am I freaking out so much like I have time no one is forcing me to do anything no one is telling me 
at gunpoint that like if I don't get my life together in the next three seconds they're gonna blow my brain out get which, married or else which honestly like oh. please blow my brain out in I the next like please do it like that's I it's not even a problem for me if someone held me at gunpoint and like threatened me like that I'd be like okay fine like like whatever do what you gotta do mm-hmm. but like I just feel like I was putting so much unnecessary pressure on myself because of where society says that you're supposed to be at 30, where the culture of the church says that you're supposed to be at 30, and like all of these external influences, and not thinking about the plan that Heavenly Father has for me is totally different. Yes. And doesn't have an earthly Mm -hmm. timetable. It's all on his sort of timetable. Right, exactly. We set up, there are not necessarily we, but there's a lot of expectations that we feel that we have to meet. And if we're not meeting all of them 100% of the time, then we feel that we're doing something wrong. So even when we're doing a lot, I mean, for even published writers, for Nobel Prize winners, I've, I've looked through some of their work. I've looked through their autobiographies and what they say online and everything. And they're like, yeah, I might have been able to do this, but that doesn't mean I'm perfect. That doesn't mean I'm doing this. And that there's still work I have to do in this lifetime. Like, yeah. you could, no matter how many steps you take, there's still another one to take. I mean, it's one of the most interesting things to me that's about the concept of enduring to the end. Mm-hmm. You don't just endure for the next step or the next one. You, you keep going. And, I mean, it's the idea also about, like, meeting your potential. Like, yeah, you can meet your potential in this lifetime. That is entirely possible, and it's something that we should all be working for. But guess what happens after you meet your potential? Your potential gets, like, a little bigger. There, It goes a little wider. It goes, like, yeah. a little higher up kind of thing. Like, not that it exists, like, in any, like, real, like, it's not, like, a cloud. But it's, like, you know, an idea kind of you're thing. Like bubble, but, <laughs> um, you're, like, bubble expands. Like, the more yes. you grow, the more it expands outward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you meet your potential. You And then, you know, you, you should high-five yourself. You should celebrate for every success that you ever make, mm-hmm. whether it's just getting dressed for the day or winning a Nobel Prize. And then... You know what? Your potential is going to get a little bit more. And then you have to go and meet that. And then it gets a little more. And you meet that. And that's how you progress throughout this lifetime. Yeah. And that's and unfortunately, the imposter syndrome does play a part in that where it's like you forget about the bubble. You forget about where you are in your potential, where you are at in your journey in life. Society tells us arbitrary milestones and accomplishments that we should make or should have made at certain ages with our careers, our marital status, and everything else going on with our lifetime. And it's very hard to ignore, especially with the way how intrusive marketing and advertising has become in this Mm -hmm. day and age. I mean, it's great that we have so much at our fingertips, but it's also a little bit dangerous because it's like, here, like, oh, you're 35 and you don't have a house yet? You need to buy a house right now. Yeah. You need to make this investment. Here's all these advertisements (laughs) for houses and Zillow and, like, all this other stuff, like, on your phone. Here you go. Right. Oh, gosh. Now, our FBI agent. Stop. Stop FBI. Stop Google. Do our not. FBI agent is just suggesting, like, you know, you're 30 now. You should probably start thinking about a house. Here, I'm just going to start sending you ads for... Right. <laughs> yeah, that's not an expectation we need to meet or anything. No. Um, so, another one, uh, like I mentioned, is social media, where... As so great as social media can be and as advertising can be on occasion, social media allows us the negative opportunity to compare ourselves to others. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that's negative because it's never a good thing for us to compare ourselves to others. Everyone else is on their own journey. They're going through their own challenges and they get their own blessings. We can't compare ourselves to them. With social media going on and everything, we're always going to be hard, going harder on ourselves than the Lord is with us. Yeah. And it's important not to let those other voices 
uh, speak over what the Lord is trying to tell us. Yeah. The Lord is never going to give us a laundry list of things that we need to fix in order to be better. (laughs) He's going to give us like one thing, Mm -hmm. like one thing, just work on this one thing. And then you'll feel better and you'll be better. Right. Just that little thing. Mm-hmm. And then when you've mastered that one thing, then you go to him again and you go, okay, what else? What else can I work on? He'll be like, okay, try this thing. But he's not going to be like, well, you're dumb and you're lazy and Definitely you're unmotivated. Not. No. But like when we look at our friends and influencers on social media, like that's all we see. And so we are definitely going harder on ourselves than what the Lord would have us do. Right. And then even on that, I think uh, something with social media and a lot of society, they like to pinpoint the problems. They like to narrow down and, you know, look at that one zit you've got on the tip of your nose kind of thing. Whereas the Lord, it's not, it's not like that. Like you said, he's looking at the big picture. He's working with his timetable. He's not going to say fix the zit on your nose. He's going to be like, remember how beautiful you are. Mm -hmm. Learn to love yourself for who you are. Yeah. Like it's going to be completely different. So forget social media. Take a step back when you use it. Sure. Yeah. All right. So the last, it also comes from unrealistic expectations from our parents, which honestly enough said, every problem that we have comes from our parents. We love you, but you ruined us. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sorry. But But, let's be real. Yeah, that's true. Every weird quirk and like weird coping mechanism, everything that we have comes from our parents. And just how it is. Therapy helps everyone overcome those things. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs therapy. Even you, whoever you are listening, you need therapy too. Everyone can benefit from it. Everyone can. Um, It provides an objective outsider's point of view who is like, okay, yeah, so here's the thing. You do have that coping mechanism because of this thing that happened in your childhood. Take a step back and reconsider what you're doing and mm-hmm. why you're doing it and what you can do instead. Yeah. I mean, therapy is not this horrible thing where they're telling you how broken you are. No. They're there to say, hey, we've noticed that you're trying to improve yourself and we're here to help you. We're here to give you the tools that you need to do that. Exactly. They're yeah. not gonna, they can't fix anything for you, but they can show you the tools, like you said, mm-hmm. and be like, here's what you can do, like, and we, we want you to be better. We'll do an entire be, episode so on therapy in the really future. Should. Yeah. Because it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so moving on. We wanted to talk about who gets the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So bottom line is everyone gets the <laughs> imposter syndrome at one point or another. Anyone who has not experienced it at one point or another is either a liar or a psychopath. Psychopath. Honestly, some people are more prone to imposter syndrome, specifically people that are more introverted and people that want to please people People and those who are very self-aware. Actually, I had a conversation a week or two ago at our Relief Society activity. Oh, yeah? We kind of talked about imposter syndrome in a way. Oh, nice. Because someone says that they overthink a lot. Yes. To the point where they're almost obsessive-compulsive with their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Over-analysis. Yeah. They latch onto this one thought of like, oh, I made this person upset by not, you know, saying hi to them quickly enough. And then they overthink that one thing into guilt and shame. And that makes me unworthy to go to the temple Mm -hmm. all down this rabbit hole. We want you guys to ultimately know there is nothing wrong with you Mm -hmm. if you are feeling like you have imposter syndrome. We all go through it. 
Mm -hmm. We all have experienced it and we all have those moments where we feel like we are not good enough or we're not up to whatever standard we feel like we should be at. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But we also want you to know you are doing so much better than you think you are. You are doing so well. You are succeeding. You are adulting well. You are being as spiritual and as worthy as the Lord needs you to be. And you can overcome this phase of your life. And imposter syndrome comes in phases, at least in my opinion. You will get over this part, so. Yeah, you stumbled on a trail. I do that every time I go hiking. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I don't hike. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like, honestly, what you just said, Tracy, actually just helped me because this week was a freaking mess at work. And I had to take some action as a manager, which I definitely still do not feel qualified for. (laughs) But I'm in that role where I need to learn how to do it. So it's something that that really needs to happen. And as prepared as I feel like I've been trying to be for this action, it still did not feel well. It still doesn't feel well. But I tried. Like, I I did feel like an imposter during this situation. But as I look back, it's not so much I was an imposter. It's the fact that it was a learning situation and I needed that. Mm -hmm. I needed to learn how I can progress and whether or not I succeed or fail in that moment. I am adulting. I am working hard. And the more... I go on that path, I will stumble a few more times, but at least I'm making progress. Yeah. Actually, you know, I'm loving during this episode, like, I feel like a bit of an imposter in, in saying this, because I'm like, I don't know everything. <laughs> I don't know what the imposter syndrome really means. You're right. I don't know what's going on. I'm we a, are imposters. I am not, like, that perfect LDS woman who knows. I'm not Sherry, too. We are. By any means. We like, are I don't, imposter <laughs> podcasters. <laughs> We're imposter podcasters. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> a lot of people, every everyone at one point or another is going to feel this way in their lifetime. And there are going to be certain thoughts that they are going to have that is a point where they can learn to recognize where that feeling is coming in. So some of the common phrases that get used when you're starting to feel like an imposter are going to be words such as, I must not fail, I'm not allowed to fail, I I have to do everything just right, or I feel like such a fake, I don't deserve this. Anyone can do it, downplaying whatever success that you had, like, oh, it's no big deal. So it's very common to think a lot of those thoughts. And one of the things I want to bring up is a story. There is a story by Max Lucado. He, I believe, both wrote and illustrated the story. It's found in a lot of the Siegel bookstores and Deseret Bookstore and all of those. Okay. It is a story about a village of wooden toys who are alive. Okay. And one of them, I don't remember his name. It was something kind of Italian, like poinsettia or something. That kind of sounds like a flower, but it's something like that. Punchinello. Punchinello, yes. I remember. Thank you. You do. I remember. Yay. <laughs> Alright, Punchinello. Okay. Um, so, Punchinello is a wooden toy who lives in a wooden village of... I mean, that's just the way it's illustrated. Never mind. The wooden part does not matter. What does matter is that in this village, people decide to start handing out stickers. They got a gold star if they were good, if they were good at things, if they were just happy people, if they had more golden stars than they would then other people would give them more golden stars. And then they would have uh, dots, black dots, for those who weren't good at something, who were bad at something, who weren't smiling all the time. Or if they found one black dot on a person, then they'd put up another black dot on that person. And 
Punchinello was, he tried really hard. He tried really hard to do everything right, but he just wasn't good at everything. Mm -hmm. So he'd have a few gold stars, but then he also had some black spots. And the more black spots he got, the more black spots everyone would give him. Until one day he met this girl, I think by the name of Lucy, who didn't have any stickers at all. And he was like, what? That's so weird. And then he noticed people were trying to give her stickers, that they're trying to put her, put them on her body. But none of them would stick. And he was like, how is this happening? And so he asked her that. And Lucy was like, well, every day I just go up to the workshop to see Eli. And I think you should go do that too. And he goes up and he's like, oh, he gets there and he's like, you know what, after him, I just turn around. But then Eli calls out his name. He's like, Punchinello, what are you doing here? And the story goes on as Punchinello is a little shy but he realizes that he doesn't want to have the stickers and he asks Eli about it. And Eli tells him, hey, like, you don't need to worry about the stickers. Don't worry about what they are saying or what they're doing. I'm the one who made you and I made you to be who you are meant to be. And so they just talk for a little bit and then once Punchinello is feeling pretty good about himself, Eli says, all right, you can go ahead now, but I'd really love to see you come tomorrow and I can tell you again, just how great you are. Oh. The last part of the story is where Punchinello is walking out and one of his stickers rolls off. Oh. And it's just the cutest thing and it's such a great way to visualize the story of our Heavenly Father and us. He has made us, he has sent us out to this village, to this world where people are all around us who are trying to decide how good or how bad we are. They all have their opinions. They're all saying, oh, you're you're this way, you're that way. And all we have to do, though, is to turn to our maker, to our Heavenly Father, and say, hey, like, what do you think of me? I, I just I just need you a little bit. And the Lord is going to turn to you and he's going to say that you are special, that you are made just as he meant to make you, that you are exactly who you are meant to be. No matter what you, no matter when you feel like a failure or a fake, we don't have to wear dots or stars when we know who our maker is. That is so sweet. I think that's so beautiful, especially thinking about how the atonement works in our lives too, because mm -hmm. the atonement is literally there to remind us that it doesn't matter how far off the path we go and how far we fall from, mm -hmm. you know, the Lord's grace as long as we're willing to turn back to him uh -huh. and make that step to make things right again he's always going to welcome us with open arms and he's always going to be there to say like you're doing your best and I'm proud of you let me help you get the next step Elder Dieter of Uchtdorf said that what you create doesn't have to be perfect don't let fear of failure discourage you I mean that's all we're trying to do in this life I'm like we can't be so worried about fear and failing and focusing on these failures that we're letting our progress slip by the wayside or to ignore the work that we are trying so hard to do. Yeah, I like this quote by Lauren Bacon that says, we can be experts and we can be successful and that doesn't mean we need to live without fault. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, that doesn't mean we need to be without fault. <laughs> right. As Mormon women, we often have been raised and taught to think that we need to be perfect and without fault. All and done. while we may know that this fairy tale type of existence is unrealistic and impossible, we still believe that those around us have it more together than we do. Others do it better, know it better, and are just plain better. However, even the top experts are not 100% correct and the best 100% of the time. I feel that so deeply. We really, really have been told as women in the church that like, we do need to be perfect. We need to be perfect without fault, without guile, without like just 
perfect all the mm-hmm. time with like perfect hair and perfect makeup and perfect outfits and perfect like children. just everything has to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. And we always fall short of that expectation, but it's not the Lord's expectation for us. Yeah. That's our own expectation for us. And we need to cut that entirely out. We need to yes. get rid of that negativity. Yeah, we don't need that in our life. No, I don't have time for that. Uh-uh, no. I look like a hot mess all the time. <laughs> and that is okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of examples that we have in this lifetime, as well as through uh, the scriptures of people who are reminding us that they have felt the imposter syndrome before, that they don't feel that they are perfect. And so the scriptures have plenty of examples of people and prophets experience imposter syndrome. Nephi has his dramatic declaration. Do you remember where it is? I'm going to look it up real quick. <laughs> okay. Go ahead and talk. I'm going to look All it right. up. Well, it's just a very short line. But Nephi has his dramatic declaration where he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. That has imposter syndrome written all over it after everything that he's been able to do. Yeah, but there's a few points where he's like, I'm not good enough. I don't know why... I am being given this power and this responsibility. I'm not that good of a person. I have my weaknesses. And it's so important that we are able to understand that and not to just brush it off. It's like, oh, Nephi, you're being silly. But no, he he wasn't perfect. And he was trying really hard. And it's important that we don't discount the struggles that each other goes through. So it's in Second Nephi chapter 4. It's verses 17 through... I'm going to say 17 through 20 are where he is really like reaming himself a new one. (laughs) He's just really destroying himself, honestly. So like you said, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh. My soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. I am encompassed about because of the temptations and the sins which do so easily beset me. And when I desire to rejoice, my heart groaneth because of my sins. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. It's so interesting that like Nephi feels so inadequate. Nephi is like, (laughs) he's Nephi. Like, yeah. He's I got nothing. Angels. Like, he's, he's Nephi. He's he seen... He built a boat without, like, knowing what a boat was. Like, literally, he's done all of these remarkable things and continued to show to his ridiculous older brothers who have no faith oh and no endurance whatsoever. <laughs> like, he's been able to show them so many miracles because of his faith in the Lord, and yet he's like... I'm encompassed about because of the sins and the temptations that easily beset me. Like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, (laughs) Like, what is getting to you? Because I I feel like you're impervious to these sort of things. Right. So I really love that example in the Book of Mormon because it shows that, like, even the greatest people in the scriptures and in Mm -hmm. the world can have Mm -hmm. a moment, a fleeting moment of the imposter syndrome. But then, like, he definitely carries it back by saying, why should I yield to sin because of my flesh? Why should I give way to temptations that the evil one have placed in my heart to destroy my peace and afflict my soul? Why am I angry because of my enemy? Awake, my soul, no longer droop in sin. Rejoice, O my heart, and give no place no more for the enemy of my soul. So he's just like, he's like, bitch, I'm Nephi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm great. And I feel like that's what we all need to do to ourselves, too. Yes, we do. Need to be like, oh, wait, I am awesome. Oh, wait, I am that freaking amazing. Yeah. Like, and if you can't remember that, Nephi can remind you, and then Lizzo can also hey, in song, okay? 
Yes. You are 100% that bitch. <laughs> even when you're crying crazy. Anyways. Is there anyone else you'd like to mention from the scriptures? Moses. I really think that Moses is a great example of the imposter syndrome because Moses was called to be a prophet and he was called to lead the children of Israel and to do all of these things directly by the voice of the Lord. Burning bush, everything. Like there's no way to dispute that calling. Yeah. The Lord straight up was like, yeah, I'm God. You're doing this, by the way. (laughs) And Moses was just like, First of all, um, I can't do that because I am, quote, slow of speech and uncircumcised of lips, end quote. I'm just this weak person. I don't have it in me to do this. Like, I have all of these faults. I have all these shortcomings. And the Lord is just like, you are going to do so many great things. Like, I am the Lord. I know what I'm doing. I will make ways for you to make all of these things happen. And he totally does. When Moses was uh, dealing with Satan in Moses chapter 1, Satan tried to tell Moses to what bow down to him. He saw through the facade and was like, Who art thou? For behold, I am the Son of God, in the similitude of his only begotten. And where is thy glory, that I should worship thee? Yeah. I, gave that, I gave that a little bit more sass. He knew exactly who he was, and he knew exactly who Satan was. He was like, I know you are, like, you're, you're ridiculous. Like, no, I know who I am. And I'm not going to do any of that. Like, I'm not going to worship you. You're crazy. So, like, Moses had the courage to defy the father of lies. And he did that by uh, by knowing that his power, that his existence, that he came from a supreme being who is omnipotent and not from his own arm of flesh. Like, he knew he was a son of God. And as a son of God, as a child of God, that he can do anything. And I think with that, that's like him coming full circle and like overcoming his imposter syndrome because Mm -hmm. obviously when he was first called, he was like, I'm, you know, I'm nothing. I am weak. I have all of these flaws. I have all these shortcomings. Mm -hmm. And then just to see that kind of growth that he has where he's like, okay, I have done this, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've been able to lead just like this and the way that the Lord has had me to do it. And so I clearly know who I am. So who do you think you are to tell me like X, Y, and Z? It's such a good example for us too, because that can be exactly what happens with us. We can have those moments of, I have all of these weaknesses. I have all of these shortcomings. My life is a mess. Mm -hmm. And then just to turn around and be like, I'm fabulous. I mean, there's a story of Gideon in Judges, I believe it's around chapter 6, where Gideon doubted himself so much that he wasn't even sure he was. it was really the Lord that was talking to him. And when he did figure out that it really was the Lord, he still couldn't fathom the possibility of being called to lead an army, seeing as, to quote for Judges 6, chapter 6, verse 15, that he was the least in his father's house. Mm-hmm. And he was like, is this really the Lord? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? He's questioning him, himself and his ability the entire time because he did not feel that he was qualified to do such a thing. But that's what the Lord does. The Lord takes the small people, the small bits of us, and makes us into more than what we believe that we really are. I mean, take Joseph Smith. He was 14 years old when he saw Jesus Christ and he saw our Heavenly Father. He was 14 freaking years old. I was an idiot at 14. I know, I was about to say, what were you doing at 14? (laughs) I don't know, but like nothing clever or smart. Maybe a little bit fun. It was my my theater stage. Girl, I was getting braces on and looking Uh, like a hot mess. Like getting braces and a perm. Bad ideas. 
Jeez. Oh. All pictures have been destroyed right. since that time. <laughs> yeah. And for Joseph Smith to be able to do that, for him to do everything that he did to bring about the restoration of the church, that is huge. That is a huge weight on their shoulders. And everything that he was able to do, everything that he was willing to overcome because he believed in the Lord who believed in him. And he only had like a third grade education. He had to have felt so inadequate so many times. Mm -hmm. And just been like, I don't know why you think I can do this, but okay, let's do it. Yes, we're going to be asked to do hard things. And that's okay. And just because we don't feel adequate that we feel like we're an imposter and a fraud in these times, that doesn't mean we are. It we just have to remember that the Lord is with us. I know when we talk about imposter syndrome, we definitely talk about how external forces make us feel like we're lesser than we are. And I really like this quote. It says, as a matter of fact, if we try to base our concept of who we are on our background and our accomplishments on earth, we will probably always experience spiritual imposter syndrome because we are a fraud when we build our self-worth on worldly achievements or our superficial physical appearance. In mm -hmm. contrast, when we anchor our identity in our divine nature, just as Moses did, we will have the kind of confidence to authentically declare in the face of anyone, including the adversary, I am a child of God. So it totally comes from society's outlook on achievements and, you know, the culture of the church's idea of success and achievements and blah, 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 all that other stuff. But when we think about how we are so much more than what we're doing on earth and how like this time on earth is such like a small blip in the grand scheme of things mm -hmm. that like we're doing so much better than we think we are. We really are. And yeah, like the quote you just shared is that we have to forget about what society expects because those, that negativity comes from the adversary. It's coming from Satan who's like, yeah, you should compare yourself to that person because you're clearly not good enough. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that's not what you should be thinking. I'm great. Exactly. <laughs> like, we can do anything and we need to just stop paying attention to what everyone else is thinking. There is another quote followed up by the one that you said a moment ago and it says that you are surrounded by imperfect people like yourself who are relying on the merciful God to provide for them the ability to become what he knows they can become. A God who, through his son, has given us a way to overcome the doubt and fear of imposter syndrome and replace it with the confidence and faith of an authentic child of God. Like everything that you're saying about those uplifting words and everything that we can say about ourselves, like it's coming from the fact that we are children of God that we are children of someone who is perfect. Like mm -hmm. that that should be enough. And with that too mm -hmm. goes that talk from Neil L. Anderson in October 2008, You Know Enough, when he's talking about how like people always feel like they can't be missionaries or they can't fulfill a certain calling or they can't do X, Y, and Z because they feel like they don't know enough and mm -hmm. they aren't they aren't smart enough, they aren't spiritual enough, they aren't good enough, like any of those things. And so he fully answers that. <laughs> <laughs> but he shuts it down entirely. Mm -hmm. So he says, While there are many experiences like the one we are having today, full of spiritual power and confirmation, there are also days when we feel inadequate and unprepared, when doubt and confusion enter our spirits, when we have difficulty finding our spiritual footing. Part of our victory as disciples of Christ is what we do when these feelings come. We must remain steady and patient as we progress through mortality. At times, the Lord's answer will be, You don't know everything, but you know enough. Enough to keep the commandments and to do what is right. Remember Nephi's words, I know that he loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. 
And just that one line of you don't know everything, but you know enough is mm. is honestly enough for me to feel better about things. Right. I don't know everything, but I do know that Heavenly Father loves us. And that alone is enough. All right. So All now right. we wanted to talk about ways that you can get over yeah. imposter syndrome. We know it's there. We know it's a problem. We're going to move forward and get past it. Yes. We are not going to pretend it doesn't exist and sweep it under the rug. All right. So first up, recognize those imposter feelings when they are there. So like we already shared some of the basic statements um, of what you might feel or might be saying to yourself when it comes, you need to be aware because awareness is the first step. So just recognize them for what those feelings are, that it's a serious case of a natural man surfacing to deny you your true identity. So it's important to catch them as they come and be self-aware of them. The step two is to consider the context. Why aren't you 100% confident? Satan is the first and the original imposter. So while we might feel like a fraud, he really is a fraud. And he wants us to succumb to those feelings that we are no good and never will be. So that way we can give up and give in to him and do what he wants us to do and not what the Lord wants us to do. So if you're feeling this way, it could go one of two ways. It could be because like outside influences like we've talked about earlier, like society is making you feel less than yourself or making mm-hmm. you feel like you're not good enough because you're comparing yourselves to people that you only see a snapshot of and not like their whole lives. But then the other reason why you could be feeling this way is because of sin. If you are genuinely feeling this way because you have been actually out and committing sins and are unworthy because you have been sinning, then you know that the atonement is there for you and you know what the repentance process is. Mm -hmm. You can repent, you can ask the Lord for forgiveness, and you can do those steps to making yourself feel more confident in front of the Lord and just in general by repenting. Exactly. And so, and then as you move forward, as as you consider uh, what the imposter syndrome is doing to you and how it's affecting you and the words, the negativity that are hurting you, is to take those, you know, by the reins and rewrite it, reframe your words from thinking that you are useless to explaining the feeling. Uh, just because you feel it does not mean it's true. And it's something that I've definitely been... Uh, I've learned recently that you don't you aren't angry but you feel angry and just because I made a mistake does not mean that I am a disaster or a terrible person and a feeling does not make you who you are like yes you are not angry you just Mm -hmm. feel angry right exactly and one of the things you can do is reference in this um awesome TED talk do you want to share that That oh yeah Um, so Amy Cuddy's 2012 talk at TED Global is where she did research, um, that talks about how body language affects not only how we view others, but how we view ourselves. It's totally worth the, like, 20-minute video to watch it on YouTube. It's so great. So she says that standing in a posture of confidence, even when we don't feel confident, can affect testosterone and cortisol levels in the brain. She distinguishes between faking it until you become it versus faking it until you make it. Honestly, we did this in our developing leadership talent class at work a couple years ago, and we all would just like stand like that for like, I think it was like two minutes. Oh my goodness. And after we did that, we immediately felt better about everything. Like we all were having a really crappy day and we all did that. Some of us did like Superman with like the arm up in the air. (laughs) Yes. Others were, it was just like taking a superhero pose or like some sort of confident pose. A power pose. Yeah, a power pose. And it instantly 
changed the way we felt about ourselves mm -hmm. for the day. We felt like we could do anything. Mm -hmm. So honestly, if you are feeling really crappy, like Kaylee said, like reframe your words to thinking about it and changing how you're feeling and then do a Take power action. pose. Mm -hmm. Do a power pose. That helps a lot. The next step is to embrace and celebrate failure. Obviously, whenever we fail, we think of those as like really terrible times. But it wasn't until I took like my leadership class that I realized that failure is a great opportunity because every time you fail, you're learning something new. If mm -hmm. you were only successful in your life, you would never learn or grow at all. And those times when you fall flat on your face, those are times to celebrate because you have an opportunity to look at your circumstances and reevaluate what's going on. You can ask for help. You can learn how to ask for help, which is something that I definitely struggle with is asking for help because I like to fun. do things on my own. But yeah, every time you fail at something, you should embrace it. You should be happy that you failed because you have this unique opportunity to learn and to grow and to do it better. Now, the final step is to be kind to yourself. And I think we forget this a lot. And especially as we are dealing with the imposter syndrome, it is so important to be kind to yourself. We are all on a spiritual journey in this life. We are meant to have imperfections, shortcomings, and weaknesses. Like, this is what this life is about. Like, we're supposed to be failing. We are here to grow, to change, and to become the person that Heavenly Father wants us each to become. We cannot become gods and goddesses. Heavenly Father wants us to learn to grow so that we can join Him again. And with that, there's an amazing quote from Dallin H. Oaks in so October 2000. His talk is called The Challenge to Become, Bring it on. which if you haven't read it, you need to go back and read you it again. Every Sunday for the rest of your life. It's so great. So good. So he says this, we are challenged to move through a process of conversion toward that status and condition called eternal life. This is achieved not just by doing what is right, but by doing it for the right reason, for the pure love of Christ. The Apostle Paul illustrated this in his famous teaching about the importance of charity. See 1 Corinthians 13. The reason charity never fails, and the reason charity is greater than even the most significant acts of goodness he cited, is that charity, the pure love of Christ, is not an act, but a condition or a state of being. We do not obtain our heavenly reward by punching a time clock. What is essential is that our labors in the workplace of the Lord have caused us to become something. For some of us, this requires a longer time than for others. What is important in the end is what we have become by our labors. Many who come in the 11th hour have been refined and prepared by the Lord in ways other than formal employment in the vineyard. We must not give up hope. We must not stop striving. We are children of God, and it is possible for us to become what our Heavenly Father would have us become. Oh, that's good. I love that. That's so good. I think it's so sweet that he says, like, for some of us, this requires a longer time than for mm -hmm. others, and that what is important in the end is what we have become by our labors. First, it's so obvious that some of us are already more charitable than others. Like some people have that predisposition for being charitable and being kind and perfectly pure of heart and others, <coughs> me, um, it takes a little bit longer and it takes a lot more work and it takes more effort. But ultimately what we become by our labors and by our efforts is what matters to the Lord. It doesn't matter how long it took us to get there. It just mm -hmm. matters that we get there. 
Exactly. The journey is going to be different for everyone. We'd be too distracted if we were all going on the exact same journey. And even as we meet people kind of on our own journey, they're going to be at different points. And it is so easy to get caught up in the moment to be like, oh, I, I need to be doing this as good as her. Oh, I need to be doing this as good as him. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be focusing on our refinement, on who we can become. And as we try to withstand the pressures of society and defeat the imposter syndrome, we can always remember the words in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, where it says, Fear ye not, the Lord shall fight for you. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. The Lord is with us. 100%. Mm-hmm. He's got full confidence in what we can do and what we can accomplish as long as we are communicating with him in that whole process. It's something that we're going to be constantly battling mm-hmm. throughout our lives. I know that I've definitely been battling it like hardcore over the last few months, so mm-hmm. I'm sure that it's going to be a continuous thing for the rest of my life. Oh, it is. Just considering it more often allows us to put more into perspective and be like, okay, this is one of the battles that I'm facing, but I mean, it might not be one that we face forever if we can learn to get over it, which I mean, that's a big expectation, but it is possible and it's something to just keep working on because I mean, there's going to be insecurities no matter what we do. Things can be better tomorrow as long as we're willing to try a little. Today. Today. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening, y'all. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Masterpiece Theater from PBS. Just kidding. Thanks for listening today. If you have any thoughts from this episode, things you want to hear in the future, or just want to be friends, email us at funeralpotatoesforthesingles at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. 